I finally took action. I wish I had done it, you know, in the beginning, but that's okay. In three and a half months, I got a new job, 100% remote. I more than doubled my income. And I have since moved from New Jersey doing a little geo arbitrage. Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And And you're you're listening listening to the the Salesforce Salesforce for Everyone Everyone podcast. In today's show, find out how a new Salesforce career will fundamentally change how you win back your financial independence. So I love that the formula is shifting. It no longer has to be save more, spend less. It can be make more, save more. Also, find out what it's like to get the respect you deserve for being the person everyone counts on. The first task I did on my first project they actually like gave me an Amazon gift card and I was like, I'm just doing my job. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In our first eight episodes, we talked about how to start a Salesforce career. Everything from what Salesforce is all the way to actually landing your first job. So that took quite some time. And if you're interested in understanding how to land a Salesforce job, I highly recommend going back and listening to episodes one through eight. So on today's episode, we are going to be talking with a special guest about her journey through becoming a Salesforce professional. And with me today to cover these topics, I have Anita Smith. How's it going, Anita? Hi, it's going pretty well, pretty relaxed after a vacation. So I'd love to introduce a fellow woman in tech. Heather originally came from commercial real estate, but then She pivoted into a career in Salesforce. She also happens to be a fellow member of the FI community. And if you don't know what that means, it means financial independence. And we'll talk about that a little more through the show. Let's welcome Heather to the show. Hey, Heather, can you break it down how you learned about the potential of a Salesforce career? Hi, Anita. It's so good to see you. Thanks for that. Yeah. (laughs) So I've actually been a longtime listener of the Choose a FI podcast pretty much since it aired. And so I was listening and I heard Bradley's episode. I actually created a trailhead account. I got started with a playground, but I don't even think I finished the first module. Actually, I got kind of lost. I didn't know what to do. And so I kind of gave up for like a year. And then I heard Anita's podcast. I heard your podcast episode. And I got so fired up and it was also around the same time where like Salesforce sent me like a little message like, hey, we're going to shut down your playground because you haven't used it in a while. So I did the five day challenge and from there I was pretty much hooked. I mean, honestly, the inspiration from your episode just like fueled me up so much. Like I just kept going and yeah, three and a half months later, I got my job. That's incredible. So you had no technical background before you got into Salesforce? Not really. I mean, a little bit. So um, actually, a few years prior, I um, <laughs> I had joined a coding boot camp. I had like three months of living expenses saved and I quit my job and it's like, screw you guys, I'm going to be a developer. And I got started and I kind of let my mindset kind of get in the way, like anytime I kind of hit a roadblock, it was that internal voice of like, oh, this isn't for you. You know, this should be easy. This should be natural. Like this clearly isn't meant for you. And so I I just kind of got in my own way, ended up quitting. And then from there, I couldn't go back to that old job. It was just toxic. So I just kind of bounced around from like 
business idea to business idea. I never really followed through with anything. I ended up blowing through my savings. I amassed $36,000 of credit card debt. And even though I knew better, I'd always been good financially. And yeah, I destroyed my credit. It, It was pretty bad. But Anyway, I ended up finding a job in commercial real estate, an entry-level position, and that's kind of where I found myself when I joined Talent Stacker. So I guess like I, I know a little bit of code, but it was from years prior, and it was really just kind of like an entry-level baseline knowledge. Yeah, so that's a really compelling story that I feel like you just told. And what I'm hearing is, even though you're part of the FI community, which I feel like people think makes them almost invincible when it comes to financial issues, because we know all these concepts and we know how these things work, yet we're still susceptible to life happening and things happening. So you know you want to do something different. You're working a job that you know you described as toxic, and you know you want out and you decide, you know, I'm going to do this coding boot camp. And for whatever reason, and we can talk more about that if you want to, it just doesn't pan out. And maybe that's because of the way the boot camp was set up. Maybe that has to do with where you were and you know that transition. But regardless, it doesn't work out. So you move forward, you hear a couple of episodes of the Chooseify podcast, and you join a program like Talent Stacker and you start learning Salesforce. So what do you think made the transition into the Salesforce career path different? Why was that successful when everything else wasn't panning out at the time? I think it comes down to two things, actually. The biggest one is I did a lot of work around my mindset. I stopped making failure mean something about me. I started to take failure as just being data. It just shows you what you need to focus on next. And I spent a lot of time and effort actually working on that mindset with intention And it just kind of worked out where like, I just ended a relationship and it was during the pandemic and it was just the right time, the right place. I was ready with that mindset. And then the second thing is really the community. I mean, Bradley, like you lay it out so clear. It's just do this thing and do this next step and then the next step and then the next step. And I just did what you said. And I had this full support of the talent stacker community. I mean, the Salesforce Ohana in general is known for being supportive, but I think Talent Stacker, we're kind of like our own little Ohana, you know, and having those people in the Facebook group and even the group project with the partners, I really feel like having that, that family helped me see it through to the end. Yeah, that's definitely something we try to support. And, you know, Anita is a big part of that. And so many others are such a big part of that because that's what community is. It's about everyone being involved and everyone supporting each other. And I think a lot of times when people hear that, they think, yeah, sure, right? Like there's a career path where people actually care about each other. There's a career path where people are actually just in it to help each other and not just get something for themselves. And it can seem sort of cultish. And we've talked about that in in previous episodes where it's like, well, why would people do that if this isn't something more than just a career path? And To your point, it reminds me a lot of the financial independence community where there really are people who want to help each other and they're there to support each other. And they're sitting in forums and community groups and going to meetups and they're not trying to sell each other anything and they're not trying to get anything from each other. In reality, they found a like-minded group of people who believe in similar concepts and they know that they have information they can share to help others. So I would compare Salesforce very much to the FI community. 
so yeah, I, it's not surprising to me. And it's really impressive that, you know, you were able to pick this up and run with it. A hundred percent. Honestly, when I paid off that debt, it was something that I couldn't share. I, I didn't even tell my parents I was in debt. I was so embarrassed. I was so ashamed. But when I paid that off, I actually posted in the Chooseify Facebook group and I got like a thousand people celebrating me. And it was just so amazing. Like I felt like, you know, like <laughs> there's so many people that actually understand like what I've gone through, what, how hard it was to come back from that and kind of be back in the black. So a hundred percent, the Phi community, the Choose a Phi community, it's really, really amazing as well. I wanted to go back on that part about the community for Talent Sucker. I mean, I think what makes it so unique and special is that like, it's a place we can all ask dumb questions. Like we know none of us come from a strong technical background. So we can go in and ask like really dumb questions that most people probably would know and not feel bad. It's just like having that support there. And then once someone helps you, you just feel like you have to help someone else too. And it's just this constant like pay it forward mentality in that group, which makes it beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. When I um, was actually, I was in the Facebook group asking a dumb question <laughs> last week, but even just talking about the community even more, before I'd even gotten a job, I got stuck and I was on the phone with three strangers, two people I'd met the day before during one of the virtual meetups. And another person was just a complete stranger from the Salesforce Ohana. They got on the phone with me and helped me solve a problem, get me unstuck. Who does that? I didn't pay them a cent. They didn't know me from Adam. Like, that's just crazy. Yeah, it, it happens all the time. And you would think that's got to be a siloed or isolated occurrence. But when, you know, I was going through that, I, I used to take those calls and I still do take those calls, especially with, you know, people who are in the program. And so, yeah, if you don't believe it, just hop on Facebook, look at the Salesforce for Everyone Facebook group, join in, look at the conversation. If you just want to observe and see what other people are talking about, you can do that. If you want to dive in head first and start asking, is this for real? Then you can do that. So something I want to circle back to that you talked about a little bit before, which I think a lot of people will latch onto is this idea that you were in, I think you said over $30,000 in debt and you were able to pay off that debt and get to a point where you were coming from a position of strength again. So it gave you opportunity to make a decision coming from a strong foundation. So you're able to say, you know, I'm going to change my career. I got myself into some trouble, but now I'm out. And I believe if I recall correctly or if I'm hearing you correctly, that was through this entry level commercial real estate position. You were able to, you know, save some money and put that away and pay off that debt. What made you decide I'm not going to stick with commercial real estate? What was it pulling you away from that where you didn't see that as a, I guess, a path forward? But for some reason, you saw Salesforce as a path forward. And I guess as a second question, so far, you're about a year into your Salesforce career now. Is Salesforce panning out as the answer to some of those reasons you were changing? A hundred percent. Yeah. So your first question. Yes, I paid off my debt. I was still though, I was making less, just under $40,000 a year in New Jersey. It's a very high cost of living area. I was living with a roommate just to make ends meet so that I could pay off my debt. I'm a very social person. I love people, but I like living alone. So I, I was just very uncomfortable. I wanted out of the situation. I thought 
the um, real estate career would take off and it just wasn't. It was during the pandemic and I had just broken up with my boyfriend and I was like, okay, I, I have time. Like what's next? And it just happened where I heard Anita's episode and you know, I paid off my debt. And so I was in a position of strength. And so yeah, I decided like, let's do this. This seems like it works. I wish I would have taken action when I first heard your story, Bradley. And I didn't. And look, Anita did. And look at where she is now. She can do it. I can do it. And so that's what I did. I finally took action. I wish I had done it, you know, in the beginning, but that's okay. So yeah, I was just really looking for a way to change my financial future. And I did that for sure. I I did the talent stacker program. I was working the whole time, but in three and a half months, I got a new job, a hundred percent remote. I more than doubled my income. And I have since moved from New Jersey doing a little geo arbitrage. And I am now in Chattanooga and I'm actually downtown in a very nice apartment, but it's literally hundreds less than what I'd be paying for a not so great one bedroom apartment in New Jersey. It's amazing. And on top of that, I've been able to save money to the point where I was kind of running into a hard decision of like, oh, do I max my 401k for the first time ever? Or do I buy a house? And like, what a hard situation to be in, right? It was the first time in my life where I'd ever been in that situation. So I actually decided I'm going to buy a house. So I'm actually under contract right now to buy a house. It's a single family home, but it has a guest house. And so my plan is to house hack and hopefully rent out the guest house to a traveling nurse and do kind of midterm rental. And yeah, get my expenses down even lower so I can ratchet up that fire plan. Oh my God, that's amazing. So prior to Salesforce, you lived somewhere up north, super cold, had to like (laughs) live with a roommate. Now you like after Salesforce, you get to move somewhere warm, like nice walkable area, living by yourself, making so much money that you're you have to choose between uh, maxing out your 401k or buying a house. <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. So tell me more like about this house hacking thing. Like are you all in a place looking for travel nurses or did you know someone in mind already? Well, don't forget, I I come from a real estate background. Part of my journey was starting as a residential um, real estate agent before I was trying to be a commercial real estate appraiser. So I come from a real estate background and I always knew I wanted to kind of get back into it. So I just kind of had that mindset of like, I want to buy a house. But the timing was kind of weird where I thought I would wait um, until the fall, but you know, with interest rates going up, I decided, you know, let's do it now and try to lock in that rate. So yeah, I'm under contract now and I don't know any travel nurses, but the plan is to put it on Airbnb and Furnish Finder. So I don't know if that answered your question, (laughs) but I kind of closely follow real estate podcast stuff as well. So I'm, that's where I'm getting that. Yeah. I think real estate is a pretty commonly non-way, especially, you know, going back to the FI community for trying to create passive income and building long-term wealth and, and all those things. So I guess I'm not surprised that you would go that direction, especially having your background. That's a, it sounds like a really safe, structured direction to go. There's something I wanted to make sure to point out here because I think it's something I'm seeing come forward with, you know, I, I'm a longtime Choose If I listener also. I found them when their third episode released, I happened to stumble across it. And I was like, hey, this is pretty good. And since then, I've I've been a listener. But 
the point being here that, you know, a lot of times from the FI community, you'll hear that you need to, you know, make money and then spend, you know, as little as you can without sort of depriving yourself and then save and invest the difference. And that's really the goal to building that long-term wealth. And so it's, you know, save more, spend less. Now, you may not know this off cuff, but I'd like to see if you do. If you really put your numbers down on a spreadsheet, you're spending since you landed a Salesforce job, would you say that you are spending less than before you landed a Salesforce job? Mm, no. <laughs> but would you say that you are saving more than when you landed a Salesforce job? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So I love that the formula is shifting. Things are changing with the formula. It's no longer, in my opinion, it no longer has to be save more, spend less. It can be make more, save more, invest the difference, right? We don't have to spend less anymore. We can actually do things like double our incomes so that we can actually spend more money, have more of whatever it is. If there's things that cost money that we value and we want to spend money on those things, we can do that now and save money at the same time. So I love the opportunity that these types of careers bring because it allows us to completely shift the formula in a way that honestly is more comfortable for more people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not spending money frivolously or anything like that. I'm, I'm still frugal, but I do. I spend in line with my values. I'm not eating ramen. I go out to eat every once in a while. I, I meet my friends and <laughs> you know, grab a beer. You know, I, I live by myself in downtown, but I try to set myself up for success. I'm living downtown, but it's in a lower cost of living area. I'm buying a house, but I'm house hacking. So I'm spending in line with my values. I'm still saving aggressively and I'm not depriving myself by any means. <laughs> so just curiosity, have you recalculated how many years it's going to take you to reach by? Yeah. So I think because I had like a few years where I was just kind of <laughs> existing and then that debt pay down, like I was nowhere close to being to retiring at any age when I was, you know, <laughs> just starting. Even in real estate, I, I wasn't really able to save much. It was really just pay off debt, live, build up the emergency fund. You're good. I mean, like starting at zero is not nothing, you know? Yeah. I think according to the calculations, I'm like 16 years away from fire. I'm pretty sure if I start house hacking and I'm getting more certifications and I'm applying myself in my career and I'm learning a ton right now, I'm pretty sure that number is going to go down pretty significantly, but TBD. <laughs> yeah. I would say, especially when you factor in things, like you said, house hacking, but then also you doubled your income with your entry-level job. I mean, very quickly, you're going to have tripled your income. You know, in the next five years, you likely will have quadrupled your income. And that's not, again, it's not an isolated occurrence. It's just the pay scale for Salesforce professionals. And it introduces, I mean, as we've talked about, if you haven't listened to episodes one through eight, go back and listen to them. But, you know, it introduces just incredible opportunity for people to have absolute life change. And when we're talking directly about, you know, financial independence concepts, it's that fine number is going to get shorter and shorter with every single raise, as long as, of course, we don't have lifestyle creep and start spending the difference. Yeah, definitely. And I think because I do kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit, 
I can definitely see myself, you know, freelancing and trying to do some side gigs once I get the house stabilized and I get tenants and a process in place. So yeah, I'm excited about the future. (laughs) So you mentioned that you moved out of all the places you can move to. Why Chattanooga? Yeah, well, so I actually ended up in between jobs when I quit the old one for this job, I did like a little road trip and I I checked out a whole bunch of different areas and I really thought it was actually going to be Nashville. And I went and I don't know, it was fine. I I just didn't love it. It would have been not maxing my budget, but it wouldn't have been as much of a saving moving from New Jersey. And I saved one day for Chattanooga and I just loved it. I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's growing. It's not too crowded, um, you know, with COVID and pandemic and everything, and you know, starting to kind of branch out again for the first time. And so there's people, it's a city, but it's not super crowded. It's not like New York. I can drive and I could park on the street and it's not too stressful. It's a lot more affordable. It's a lot closer to my family. They're like six hours down the road, so I can drive there and yeah, so I actually had I didn't see them at all during the pandemic. And since I've moved, I've seen them three times, two or three times since I moved. So it's been a good move for me. Oh, and plus like the hiking and the outdoors and the stand up paddle burning kayak. I mean, it's a great outdoor city. So yeah, Chattanooga is awesome. Yeah, you're really selling this to me because I love hiking. <laughs> but like it snows there, right? Well, that's the great thing, actually. Chattanooga is like in a bowl, right? So we're surrounded by mountains. There's a beautiful river. And it has snowed a couple times in the winter, but it's in the mountains. So I get to look at it when I look out my window, but it doesn't actually really stick in the city. I think there was like a light dusting on my car once during the whole winter. It wasn't even on the street. So I mean, compared to New Jersey, where I actually like went snowshoeing from my apartment one winter, uh, (laughs) it's a big difference. I don't know if you mentioned, maybe I didn't hear it, but also no state income taxes in Tennessee, right? <laughs> that is true. That I, I'm i not going to say that was the reason, but it certainly was a factor. It was like, okay, I literally just doubled my income here. <laughs> like suddenly this matters. <laughs> yeah, I've been in my little world. I've definitely been sticking to no state income tax states. It's a theme for me. I just, I love the idea of other places and then... As soon as I really settle with the idea of paying state income tax again, it's like, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I think one thing that we haven't talked about up to this point is how you actually landed the job. So could you tell us a little bit more about, you know, your story and how you, you know, went through the interview process and got the job offer on the table? Like, how did that pan out? Yeah, actually, that's a pretty funny story. I am. actually finished my volunteer project and I was just starting to think about interviewing. I'd only had one interview prior and one of the um, my teammates on my volunteer project had applied to this job. I never, ever, ever would have applied to it. Just based off the description, it just seemed like so far beyond me and my capabilities. But, you know, here was this like white male who like wasn't even certified yet, who like applied to the job and got an interview. So I thought, well, surely, okay, like I'm at least certified. I did a lot of this project, like I can at least go in. But I don't know, like it's a second job I've ever been interviewed for. Like it'll just be practice. No big deal. (laughs) So I actually went in and it ended up being like this crazy thing where my boss now, he started asking me these basic technical questions and I knew it was 
kind of basic. So I was just like, well, do you want me to show you? And he was like, yeah. So I did a screen share with him. I showed him my volunteer project, like what I built, walked him through it. He asked me questions. Why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? I did a lot of it. So I, I knew all the answers. And it ended up being like this crazy, weird, like I've seen the wizard behind the curtain thing where suddenly it was just a conversation. It wasn't really an interview anymore. And it was just really amazing. And I ended up getting this job that I went in just thinking I'm just practicing here. So yeah, like here I am. Yeah. Now I work for a tech startup. (laughs) Yeah, that's too funny. And I think that I try to tell people if you're talking to someone, whether it's online at a conference on LinkedIn in a personal message, just always treat it like an interview because you never know when those conversations might be that one conversation that is the difference between you landing a job and not landing a job at that moment. So it sounds like you were prepared to, you know, dive in and do what you needed to do. I love this screen share part because I actually did that for my very first interview too. So you you mentioned a few things and obviously, so as far as geo arbitrage is concerned, it is a really good move for you to be in Tennessee. And you know, for so many other reasons, you also mentioned, you know, being closer to your family. And I think for a lot of people, that's a freedom and a privilege in a lot of ways, because, you know, not everyone has that. And a lot of times we, you know, do things like get stuck in our hometown because of our job, or we get stuck in a specific location and maybe it doesn't have the best schools, but we have to raise our kids there because our jobs are there and we have to get this done. So for you, you know, having that really a superpower and being able to work from anywhere, as long as you have a laptop and internet, you can work from anywhere you choose. So you end up in Chattanooga and obviously that's a great choice for you, but a lot of people don't get to be close to their family, maybe even when they want to. So is this something that was a big deciding factor for you to at least be a lot closer to the family? Yeah, actually, that's a good point. You know, of all the cities I looked at, I wanted to be within driving distance to my family. And Chattanooga actually ended up being the closest. And my parents are getting older, and I didn't get to see them during the pandemic. And my mom actually has dementia. It's getting a lot worse. I can't really talk to her over the phone anymore. So if I want to talk to her, I need to be there face to face. I need to get that time in with her. And so that was really a big deciding factor why I um, chose Chattanooga. And yeah, I mean, that's priceless time with my parents. Yeah, for sure. I don't know that I can say I can relate to that, you know, directly because my parents are, they're, they're not there yet. But you know, when that time comes, it, it's going to be really nice to be in a position to, to travel freely. And I know for us, it's the other side of the spectrum. It's that I've got a, you know, a young daughter and she's getting ready to start kindergarten. And we've been able to look at areas to live based on the quality of the school systems. And again, that that's huge because we're not, again, stuck at a job where we're commuting in or having to be in the, a specific area that decides where my daughter gets to go to school. So again, it's a, it's a huge benefit to be able to say, let's move to an area that serves our daughter with, you know, hopefully a better experience in school. And it's, it makes no difference to us as far as, you know, having our careers is concerned. So definitely that freedom of movement is huge for, you know, most people in the Salesforce world. Absolutely. And and when she's graduated, you can pack up and, and move somewhere else. Like you don't have to stay there. We can go wherever, whenever. It's amazing. Yeah. We refer to life in phases now that everything's temporary because there's very little permanence when you you have free, you can choose in any given year, you can choose if 
does it still feel good or do I want to try something else? Yeah. So any um, trips planned for the future? Hmm. You know, I, I actually really love travel. So it's just starting to dawn on me, actually, that I can. And, you know, things opening back up. Yeah, I don't have any trips planned, but I've been wanting to go to Thailand for a long time. I'd love to go to Machu Picchu. And I mean, there's so many. There's I <laughs> I haven't been everywhere, but it's on my list. I used to live in Europe, so I, I, I'd done quite a bit of traveling before in a past life, and I'd really like to get back to that. So yeah, everywhere, basically. <laughs> so have you not used up all your PTO? You've been working for almost a year now. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like when I work remote, like I could work from anywhere. I'm not really like finding myself using that many, you know, I, if I need to go do something, I can just do it. There's not really anybody looking over my shoulder. Like, is she there? She's sitting in a chair. So yeah, I'm not really finding myself needing to use my PTO that much. Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, kind of halfway there with you. I definitely use all my PTO. But as long as I get my work done, no one cares. So days that like, I only have meetings in the morning, or kind of half days, half work days for me, because especially like on Friday afternoons, no one really wants to work or put meetings on your calendar for Friday afternoon. So it's kind of like a half day on Fridays normally. But yeah, I can't not use all my PTO. I've, <laughs> I've even like taken some non like pay time off because I like to travel so much and I can actually afford it now. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this carries a lot over into, you know, r- really just going back to the how in demand Salesforce jobs are. And I think the reason that carries over is because, you know, I think a lot of people, even when they take PTO, they're still working or they're still checking emails and doing their thing or the the times when they think they're going to be flexible, you know, I'm going to go to the dentist or a doctor's appointment or whatever else they have to make sure that their, you know, manager knows like, I'm going to be out of office for this amount of time and really asking permission. But in these Salesforce roles, you are so in demand that you're not really worried that somebody's going to fire you over a misunderstanding or find out you weren't at your desk for a couple of hours and now you're getting a slap on the wrist because you get a lot more, from my perspective at least, and you guys can talk to this too, you get a lot more respect for the work that you do and from your coworkers and from your management. And I've even noticed a lot of companies where it's becoming less of a, I'm your manager and you're a subordinate kind of mindset. It's very much we're a team, we're working together as a manager, I'm here to facilitate to make sure that you have what you need so that we can all get things done in a much, you know, more productive and positive way. Have you guys had a similar experience with I guess the way that, you know, you garner respect for the work that you're doing rather than just being an employee at the job that could be replaced tomorrow? Oh, 100%. They think I'm a wizard. Like my boss, like he's very smart. He's a data guy, but he doesn't know Salesforce really. You know, they need us. In fact, they just changed our department to, I think, the innovation and process improvement department or something. And so I'm on a Salesforce team. I was the first one, but there's three of us now. And that's because we streamline workflows. We come up with ideas. We make things better and easier. And so there's so much respect and and freedom. Like nobody cares. I prove myself, you know, like when I need to work, I'm there. But otherwise, like, yeah, it's very flexible. Yeah, same here. Like the first task I did on my first project, they actually like gave me an Amazon gift card. And I was like, I'm just doing my job. 
but they were so grateful that they had to do something extra like that. So even now, the mentality shift is real. Like I am in the middle of negotiating a salary increase at my current position. And if the job market wasn't the way it was right now, I wouldn't have been so ballsy. But like, I'm really aggressive. I haven't heard back yet. But I mean, my boss said he'll get back to me next week. But uh, I mean, I asked for a very big increase. So we'll see. Yeah, you bring up a, an interesting point, which is not normal in a lot of industries. And it's that I, I think in most industries, it's, you know, you get a 3%, 5% annual raise, but really that's becoming outdated and it is outdated in the Salesforce space. You know, companies don't talk about percentages anymore. It's very much you're getting a $10,000, a $20,000 raise this year, not based on whatever you made when we offered you a job a year ago. It's based on what you're worth today. And that has nothing to do with percentage increases. It has to do with how valuable you are for what the market is demanding right now. So I've seen that a lot when people are like, should I negotiate my entry-level salary? Because isn't my first raise going to be based on how much I make now? And that is just not the reality because you know I could tell you today that with a year of experience, you deserve a $20,000 raise, but the market continues to become more in demand. And it could be that a year in, you deserve a $40,000 raise next year. So things change so rapidly because we're experiencing these major talent shortages, especially in skilled positions like this. So we have covered a lot of information today, and it was amazing hearing Heather's story and what she's been able to accomplish in really such a short period of time. But you know, to sort of reiterate, we, we talked about really incredible income increase over doubling her income, which is, I, I think, just an absolute dream for most people. We talked about the ability for the Salesforce community acting very much like the financial independence community to be so supportive and uplifting. And in those times when you wonder, can I really do this? Is this really for me? It can carry you forward across those hurdles so that you can still drive success. We mentioned personal branding and the fact that Heather never even applied for the role that she landed and just the ability for personal branding that we talked about you know, in our previous episodes to have such an incredible impact in the modern job market. Not to mention geo-arbitrage going from a high cost of living to a lower cost of living area and the ability to be close to the people that you care about and the things that you care about. These are just some of the things we talked about, and it is amazing to really hear that back and just think about how much impact a Salesforce career can have for someone. So Anita, do you mind kicking us off with what we're going to be talking about in the next episode? Yeah. So next episode, we're going to have a very special guest that's going to share about their experience with college hacking. And by college hacking, I mean skipping college and then making more than college graduates. So Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. So if you haven't already, make sure to go back and listen to episodes one through eight. That is going to tell you how to start your Salesforce career and actually land a job. Also, make sure to head over to talentstacker.com forward slash start, and you can sign up for our free five-day challenge and a slew of other really awesome free resources. If you are enjoying the show, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a quick review and let us know how we're doing. But of course, if it's going to be anything short of five stars, you can just skip that part and, and just listen to next week. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. 
There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonza. If you like what we do at this Scrappy Can Do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.